and gentlemen, welcome to the first ever episode of Homophilia. Are we really doing this? We're really doing this, Matt McConkie. How do I sound? You sound fantastic. You no, know, I'm not wearing headphones. I know. You you have them around your uh, your neck in a jaunty way. Look cool. Suggests that you're a real professional. Can't hear a thing. Yep. Well, you sound good. Thank you. You sound good. And you can't hear me. As do so you. So I won't ask And you, you look great. Thank you very much. Thank uh, you very much. What's on your spirit? What's, what's going on? What's going on yeah. in my life? Um, let's see. I am just back in town mm-hmm. from uh, from the East Coast. I, uh, I, I went and I, was, I worked in the Esquire offices for a week in New York. And then I went down to D.C. to be the godfather of my high school crush's third kid. Oh, high school crush written yeah. about in the written about extensively book, Party of One? in the in the selling book Party <laughs> of One. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it, there was a long. There's a long bit in that book about about this guy who yeah. I call Jim, and uh, and it's and he and his wife showed up to my reading in D.C. He now lives in D.C. and I hadn't seen him in a long time. We we you know we didn't part on bad terms. We just drifted as as people do, and so yeah. he turned up and we got to talking and I got to know his wife. She was pregnant at the time. And uh, and we just clicked and had a really had a nice time and mm-hmm. kind of stayed in touch and whatever and they just completely out of the blue asked me to be this kid's uh, godfather like and he was born like in, at the reading they just no like it, but in the weeks after okay just okay. in like emails and and whatever and uh, and so I was like this see I don't understand why this is happening but yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this ride I'm gonna take this ride all the way to the end wow. and I I don't know if they just like my initial thought was like, oh, they're just saying that that to be nice or something, and thinking that I would say no, but that's probably not what you do. And sorry, at this point, has anyone acknowledged? Oh, also, you're in the book that you just came to the I, signing the, of. No one has. We we hung out that whole rest of the night of the reading, and uh-huh. in my head, because the book had just come out, nobody had read it, and I uh, I was like, I should let you know that there are yeah thirty pages about your eyes and calves, <laughs> oh and but I didn't. Uh, I did it in an email like a week later. And, uh, and he was totally fine with it and the wife was totally fine with it and, and the whole thing. And so um, so they asked and that was like back in no- November, October, November of last yeah. year. Uh, and then nothing happened for a long time. And I thought, OK, that was just like they dangled that. They didn't expect me to say yes. I did say yes. And now yeah. they're just running out the clock and waiting for us all to forget. Uh, but then they didn't. And I got an email like, OK, here's the, here's the itinerary for the weekend. And so I was like you – know, it happened to coincide with when I was on the East Coast. And I said, all right, I'm doing this. So I hopped on the train and I went down and we spent the weekend together. And uh, and it was like – And is we just the three of you? Pretty well, – his dad, uh, the step – or the step – the godmother who is, uh, who is his niece and, and the wife and the two other kids. Wow. And I didn't stay with them but we, we had a lot of meals and we did a lot of stuff together. And it was, it was actually – it was a great experience because mm-hmm. I got to – and he still looks great. But I mean you know, he's a heterosexual and that ship has sailed and I don't the, – the intensity of my feelings You're not is not – You're not pining for him. I'm not okay, pining away. But I did get to spend a weekend like right next to the, the – like kind of my foundational crush yeah. from like puberty and like – and just sort of observe him in the wild. You know what I mean? And yeah. just have that like that thing of like, OK, so what, what was this? Yeah. You know what I mean? What was I – why was I like sweating this guy so hard? And I really, was any really part was. of you sizing up the wife and being like, "Oh, I mean, of course you have to." She's sure. fantastic. I really, really like her. She's yep. she's great and smart and funny and and it, like ev- she's everything you want your high school crush. You to were like, get if, you, if you must have gone that way, exactly, then, yeah, exactly. Then you God did. She, he did yeah. extraordinarily well. They both did. Uh, but it was it was a great weekend, and it just it like it seemed it brought a lot of things kind of like full circle wow. for me. You know what I mean? Like it, it tied up a lot of ends 
that's my recent news. How about you? What, what's going on in your life? Uh, I, 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 what am I? What am I watch? I, I, I haven't been watching a single thing. This no, is the no part real of the show. We're supposed to be talking about that. But you're but very big nothing. on the Real Housewives. I am very big on the house. Of course, I, did, I met Countess Luann when I was. Here. Oh my God, we have to talk about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you documented it pretty well. I got to say. Okay, good. In, on Instagram, which good. I really appreciate. Good. I felt like I was right there with you. Okay. I feel like I should start watching the Real Housewives now because I have that thing of you know how like when you meet somebody who's famous and they're nice to you, you're like. I really like them. Yeah. Like, I should really revisit their entire body of work. Yeah. So now I feel like I'm friends with her, which I'm totally not. But I feel like I now need to start watching The Real Housewives. And uh, you gave her a copy of your book? She, yes. Yes. She asked for one, um, which I'm certain was just like uh, – yeah, I mean, she's a countess. She's very polite. I mean, she Elegance is learned, right as we all know. Sure. So I think she knew that the polite thing to do was like, oh, may I have a copy? And I, of course, gave her one and signed it and yeah. the whole thing. And I'm sure I, – I have no doubt that it is – you know, in a fancy trash can somewhere yeah, in, a, in a penthouse. Um, but she was she was lovely. She was absolutely lovely. So I'm thinking of diving in. Should I? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. you were there. You did that. You were there for the best episode of all time. The, okay. the night that you did watch What Happens I was the best episode of not just Housewives, but I'm going to say all television ever. So which Chuckles, was the night that Chuckles it, Bites the Dust is just under this one where they fall into, yeah, into bushes. I don't know what that reference is, but whatever it is, okay. yes. All right, Matt. We're going on a real journey together. <sighs> okay. Should we take a little break yeah. and then uh, and then meet our, our, our first Please. ever guest? Why don't we do that? Oh this God. is very exciting. Our first ever guest is coming up after this short break. We are back with our first ever guest. Uh, I'm, I'm such a massive fan of this woman. Me too. Dave, you are too? Yeah. Just yeah. wanted to check in and make sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm ambivalent. No, I really, I love her. She's uh, she's a, a, a comedian and, and actor and writer and, uh, and raconteur, and she's just had her first sip of cold brew. <laughs> it's Cameron Esposito. Hi, Cameron. Hello, gentlemen. Thank you for getting me this third drink. I'm sitting here with three drinks in front of me. All of the bevs. One is cold, one is cold and fizzy, Mm -hmm. one is cold and full of caffeine. So much caffeine. Uh, What is on your DVR? What are you watching? What are you obsessed with? You know, you're going to be surprised um, because what I'm obsessed with right now are uh, the Dodgers, the Los Angeles Mm, Dodgers. Uh Um, Now, my wife, Rhea, Butcher, yep. mm-hmm. has been a longtime baseball fan. And when right. we first got married, I said to her that my stance on professional sports is I don't like that men like them. Oh, okay. okay. Do you know you like, not the like certain them. kind of like cis straight dude that watches sports of and has course. made my life very difficult oh, by screaming near around or at me yes. for my entire adulthood. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one that made me feel weird for not yelling. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if you if you don't get into it in the same way, then you feel like a weirdo for yeah. your entire life. Those men you're so describing yeah, I don't like are those men guys either. I hate and yet have been like attracted to in a repulsive way. Oh, for most really? Of my life. Does that yeah. work? It, That's yeah. really interesting. If, oh, if I true. think yeah, I think that is one thing we share. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, I would say that for gay dudes, that's a pretty common it, thing sure. that none of us are proud of. No, no. Hey, can I? I'll add something. I think t- for me, um, since there wouldn't be like an attraction thing there, I think I feel like that person is trying to top me. 
in uh, the situation, and I do not like it. No, no, no I understand. So you're that. you're there, just you're out, you're out topping so each I'm other. I'm just like get away, uh-huh. and I feel much more reasonable about sports, but I still want to have the alpha energy in the room. Sure, <laughs> like, sure. Oh. So what was the what was the what was your gateway drug? Who was your so? I started going to Dodger games. Now I'm yeah. I'm from Chicago, and my team growing up were the Cubs, uh-huh. and my parents loved them, and my dad loved them. Yeah. But if you go to a Cubs game and you are an LGBT person, uh, you're going to hear stuff you don't want to hear. Exactly. Yeah. And also, uh, Wrigley Field is directly next to Boys Town. Uh-huh. which is the gay neighborhood. Right. So sometimes you have to park on the other side of Boys Town and sort of walk through with Cubs fans who are saying weird shit. Awful things. About you while yeah. you're in a Cubs shirt yeah. camouflaging, mm-hmm. but secretly one of the Boys Town residents. Yeah. Ooh. So it's a lot of layers. Real, sports are fraught, aren't they? I mean, they just really, like, they're, it's a loaded issue for me. I, I have to share a quick anecdote that's some somewhat related, which is that I there is an uh, there's an LGBT. I, I mean, I guess it's a, a gay men's basketball league in LA right. that I have had like many gay guys a very fraught relationship with sports. Where like I resisted it, I was so terrified of it in gym class as a kid. But then always in a way felt like I actually think that in spite of all of my like, you know, fucked up feelings about it, that I actually would have really liked sports and that it passed me by. Yeah. And uh, and so as an adult, I would regularly making, say, New Year's goals, um, say, I'm going to join that basketball league. And they would have like um, beginners clinics where you could come and they would like walk you. They, they, they tr- teach you like basic drills i was like 27 years old driving down to like a high school in long beach mm-hmm. and having this guy just like teach me how to dribble teach me and it, yeah. it's, it was so humiliating but also like so moving just like that there was no judgment the problem was practice would quickly start so then practice is starting with these are guys who were legit high school athletes that sure. happened to be gay and they're playing and then I'm, I revert immediately back to, and I'm like, I gotta go. I can't. I can't do this yeah, anymore. No, it's primal. And and they always understood and be like, but stick around and like you can jump into practice if you want. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not there yet. Yeah. But there were so many times that I would sign up for the beginners uh, clinic, um, drive to the be in my my gym clothes and drive to the high school, sit in the car and beat the steering because I couldn't get out. I was, uh, you know, uh, what, what's his name from Ferris Bueller? Cameron? Cameron is his name? His, his name, name is Cameron. Is Cameron. 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 Yeah, How yeah. could I forget? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, this shit is so, it's so central to your, to your personality. Yeah. Okay, if my thing, okay, if you grow up and you, and you think you're gay or you feel like you're different or whatever, sports is a thing that normal boys do. Yeah. And, and a lot of them are just, are, are, have an ease with themselves and a confidence that allows them to fuck up and then they don't care. Yeah. So like if they miss a free throw or whatever, it's not the end of the world. But if you do, you're like, everyone knows, everyone yeah. knows about me. If I like, if I can't, you know, throw a spiral or right. whatever. So you just, you avoid like, this it crack in my facade. It has, exactly. it is all just shattered. You guys, to the this, ground. Is, this is so raw and sweet. I want to hold your shoulders oh, and tell you, you that it's okay. You can. You can. Is there, is there a lesbian tough. version? Is there, is there like a, uh, do you have like a similar experience? Well, all right. Uh, so there's so many different types of like gender presentation, Sure, but I will say clearly if you are a young woman who plays sports, uh-huh. uh, well, not, maybe it's not clear. Uh-huh. I don't think there's the same 
automatically you're gay thing. Yeah, right. Because for women, belonging to and appealing to men is thought of as like our cultural goal. Mm-hmm. And so it really is like you it's almost like you have to prove that you are a lesbian as opposed to yeah. Proving that you Proving aren't, right. uh-huh. which I think yeah. is very different for young men. Yeah. Right. I think you're constantly proving your masculinity. This sure. is like, but are you like, but like what kind of lesbian? Like a lesbian yeah. that, like, are you like, what, you know, like, is it like a guy lesbian? Like what kind of like, like a, yeah, like yeah. a lesbian yeah. for guys? Um, <laughs> you know, so there's that thing. So yeah. I was a big jock, uh, mm-hmm. but that didn't mean anything to anybody. Nobody ever sure. said anything to me about what that meant. Yeah. Um, certainly not my boyfriend, who is also a big jock. Like we were just jocks together. Like that's one, that's one heterosexual couple zoo. Um, jock couple. But I oh, think I want to see the pictures. <laughs> I want to. Speaking of, we should. That is actually the perfect segue. Mm. Speaking of your boyfriend from high school. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd like to talk about your love life. Oh, thank we you. Do a very intrusive dive uh, yep. into the history. We were going to have you and Rhea here together, your yes. wife, and uh, she ended up not being available, but it works so out great because booking up a storm. this way we can corner you, we can get into your filthy past, and yeah. then we can do Rhea separately. Uh-huh. Oh, we'll yeah! Talk about, we'll talk about it, but off air, yes. like some of the inconsistencies. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, we're going to go deeper. I mean, she this. and I have never discussed this, so yeah. <laughs> good thing she's not hearing it now. Yeah, you keep it all private. Just kidding. I'm yeah. like the most open book, like <gasps> chat. Yeah. Chatty McChatterson. Yeah. And you, you have written a very delightful show about your relationship called Take My Wife, That's which right. is on season mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, season two happens when? We don't know the release date, but okay. it's fall. Yes. Okay. fall. Such a delightful show. How is it to have your your personal life? I mean, you're in charge of it, being the head writers, I assume, of this show. Yes. Uh, like, are you? Is there a part that you hold back? So when we got the show, there was a moment where I was like, "We need sex scenes. We need lots of totally topless sex scenes." Uh-huh. And Rhea was like. No, this is not like, this is a real relationship. What literally, what are you talking about? And she uh, fought me and she was totally right. I think that, you know, where I approach making content, um, I approach from the situation of like never feeling like I have anything that's for me. Like Uh there are, there's so few, and I don't like, I don't know what it's like for you guys, but I will say for me, there is so few uh, depictions of women being intimate with women mm-hmm. that look anything like what that actually looks like. Right. Um, again, because it's like male gazy yeah. or it's mm-hmm. portrayed as being super soft. Uh, the enti- like not just the camera lens, but also like this, the scenery behind them and sure, everything. Sure, yeah. um, I think, you know, then there, then there's like Black Mirror did an episode uh, this past season called San Junipero. Oh, yeah. Just so a really good. beautiful love story. And it's and it's like I, I sobbed and I literally watched it three times in a row the first time I watched it. Yeah, I just kept restarting it. Beautiful in every way. But yeah. it doesn't have a ton of sex in it. Right. So if you think about like, you know, what sex is on television for straight people. Right. Um, like I realized only recently that like you could watch a show like Game of Thrones. That's a fraught example yeah. because not everything on there is consensual sex. But you sure. could watch a couple have consensual sex and that could be hot for you. Mm-hmm. Like a straight couple yeah. having sex could do it for you is something yeah. that I never thought of because <laughs> nope. it doesn't do it for me. Right. Um, so when I, we had the show, I was like, we have to we have to show what it's really like. Mm-hmm. Turns out You're you like, can't do that if us. it's your actual real wife. 
Do you think you so could have done that if you were not it. playing yourself and you were not acting with your real wife? I think there is a version of a show sometime mm-hmm. in my future where I would like to have there be nudity sex. I don't know if I I don't even know how I feel about nudity, but just at the very least like sex choreography yeah. that looks real. Yeah. The L word really was really important in my life because I watched it and I was like, "Oh, that's how women have sex with each other." Did it feel truthful? I never, uh, yes. I never watched it. I think I'm it did. Saying, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that that show, I mean, not everything. There's some, it's a soap opera. So there's sure. like some really heightened stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think just like showing a diversity of things mm-hmm. that, that women would do together and, and having it. Women have sex in a way that doesn't feel super male gazy. And also that is like, oh God, I'm going to say this and it's going to sound so porny, but I don't like raw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not like, there's not like, Ah, sweetness. Like, <laughs> there's not there. N- there aren't like flowers everywhere. You know what I mean? Right. They're just like having sex, right? On filthy sheets. On disgust. Yeah. yeah. Like, and it just it like just people. like happened really quickly. A flannel and, yeah. pillow. Like, gross things. Um, yeah. So it that was really important to me right. seeing that. Yeah, I think there something happens when you come out. Maybe not immediately, but like when you. When you come out and when you sort of start to, like, live your your actual life, you become obsessed with telling the truth. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You become obsessed with just, like, showing – depicting things as they actually are because what's the point of facades? You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Yeah. I know what you mean as a stand-up especially yeah. because right. I think that um, there are – I try really hard to represent myself in my premises, mm-hmm. like to talk from a from a first person position and something that I notice um like your normative straight cis white guy, like the guy that you think of uh-huh. as being a comic, often speaks with like a we mm, because yeah. they're in the mainstream viewpoint, which is invisible. And right. so like they're looking out the room going, like, we all do this. Yep. Somebody else outside the room does this. And um, I just feel like that's fine. It works for some people. That's uh-huh. how you get like, you know, good observational comedy. Right. But I will never be able to do that because I just never feel like I can fully speak with a we. Yeah. 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 I myself only in the last few years got over the idea that talking about talking about gay life, talking about my sexuality, talking about my coming out was was not an imposition on someone else. You know what yeah. I mean? Like for a long time, I really felt like, oh, okay, I've, I've mentioned it a couple of times. That's enough for the night. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If I was like in mixed company or whatever. Once I got over that, it was like, okay, if you if you're turned off, then you're gonna you're gonna be turned off. I'm I'm not for you anyway for yeah. a million different reasons. So like, you might as well just you know talk about your own personal experience as openly as you can and as truthfully as you can. What is your coming out story? Can we go back to that? Sure. We share a Catholic college background. Yeah, we do. She um, went to BC. I went to Holy Cross. Yeah. Mm. I so abbreviated version. I was super into Catholic stuff when I was mm-hmm. in college, like into it, and I uh, kissed a woman, and I had just gotten back from doing a solidarity trip in inner city Kingston, Jamaica. And that meant like we were going there and sort of like holding hands with the poor and then going back to college because like it was troubling. You know what yeah. I mean? Like looking yeah. back yeah. on it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But I had contracted facial ringworm. I didn't realize that. It's a fungus. Oh. It can grow anywhere in your body, uh-huh. but it grows in a perfect circle. So I, it happened on my face. 
So oh, I it's the perfect I, circle that goes. Uh, it goes. It, went, it was right here. It was on my cheek. It was on, oh, the, wow. on the right cheek. So the I, cheek. I, <laughs> so I was super into this uh, girl, this woman, and she said something attractive about poverty, whatever it was. We made out. I woke up the next morning with a giant <sighs> ring Did you, of. <sighs> Red waltz. Did you do the Catholic thing and I've, blame it on your? I was like own sinful behavior. I mean, I I've seen The Exorcist. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I. Yeah, there was a pretty like standard cause and effect. There's you know, a very here. standard cause and effect for being in the, involved in the Christian yeah. faith, making out with somebody or doing something else that God doesn't like, uh-huh. and then waltz appearing on your skin in yeah. the form of a letter. Yeah, a yeah. scarlet O. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Uh, so that set you back the next decade. <laughs> so <laughs> then yeah, I... knock you back. <laughs> well, it was also Easter. It was wow. around, it was Easter. And I literally, like, I cannot tell you guys how into it I was. I was, like, fasting because uh, Jesus was dead. Uh-huh. So I was fasting. Yeah. And I went and flew and met my parents. Uh, I was... Like gonna spend the weekend with my parents and my mom. Like I got off the plane, you know, just like whole, covering my face, just going like they're gonna know. Oh god, they're gonna know. I, <laughs> Not they're gonna know. I have uh, like a a fungus, but they're right. going to know. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they and home. instead they were very much like, hey, oh, we have to, we have to go to the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen what, Have you seen your face? <laughs> But then the doc, like, luckily, it, it is a very visually, like, if you know what it is, mm-hmm. the doc, immediately, the doctor, yeah. and he was even like, he did one of those things where he was like turned around, his back to me was when he walked, walked in the room, and he went like, uh, so it says here, you think you might have ringworm? That doesn't happen on the face. And then he like turned into it and said, except that you have it. You know, like, <laughs> like you could, it doesn't look like anything else. Oh, dear God. But, so how long between the first experience and the second experience? Uh, in a shame spiral? How, like, do you like mean, in terms movie? of how long, do you mean how many tears? Yeah. yeah let's Thousands of buckets of tears. Uh-huh. Yeah. But in terms of like days, probably three days. Because oh, okay. I went, I came back from Easter and that person mm-hmm. picked me up at the airport. Nice. Yeah. And in spite of the fact that she gave you facial ringworm, you were right back in? Oh, no. I... She did not give me facial ringworm. I had gotten it in Jamaica just like touching something. Oh. Uh-huh. But it is very contagious. And so I was afraid I had given it to her, but also straight up Cami Esposito, very confused. I had sure. also kissed two guys yeah. within the same 48 hour period before patient. realizing that I had ringworm. So I was absolutely patient zero. Yeah. And all of these people were in the same group of friends. Wow. So I was like just sitting there waiting for like, them to all be in a cafeteria together and just yeah. be like, boop, 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 and like <laughs> up and go like you, you, her, you know, like that thing. Uh, but it didn't Face, happen. Faces like old Max screensavers, <laughs> just like circles coming yes. and going. So oh did this lady turn out to be a girlfriend? Yeah, this that was my first girlfriend. I dated her for three years. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And has she remained? Yeah, she's married to a woman. Mm-hmm. Actually, I've never dated. Yeah, all the people that I dated, uh, actually, a lot of them are now married. I have a lot of exes that are now married. Yeah, um, and, and all to, and all two women. Uh-huh. You have a lot of yeah. exes that you're friends with. Well, I used to be closer friends before I was married. I st- I kept in really good touch with everybody, uh-huh. but then 
I know this is going to, I don't mean this to them at all. I kind of, the need sort of fell away as I like became fully sure of who my family was. I was like, I think I don't need to, because whether or not we want to be honest with ourselves, Mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of people keep backups at hand. Sure. I think I was their backups too. Like, I think we were all keeping in touch. You were letting each other off the hook from backup status, yeah. essentially. But, but that – you – Like suddenly the, everything is Vaseline. Like You were not doing the thing where you break up and then it's scorched earth and – No. Don't ever speak to me again. Have you guys had relationships like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm a, I'm a <laughs> petty, on. jealous monster. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have had one that ended really badly. How old are you talking? Uh, how old are you? Uh, Is this- in my late 20s, okay, I, I had a relationship that ended really badly, but only because uh, this person that I was living with, Oof. I had this theory of what relationships are like, uh-huh. and I can't even say what it is because it's like too sad. So I had, you, can th- you give us a hint? Uh, all can right. So I had little, this- A little peek? Maybe I can talk about it. Oh, God, it's rough. I had this theory that relationships are like- one person is an anchor uh-huh. and one person is a kite. I see. And sometimes you can switch, uh-huh. but there's like a stable person and then there's like a floating around person. That's what I thought I see. relationships were like. Okay. And I used to talk about that all the time. That's interesting. And Have you ever actually tied a, a kite to an anchor? I've never I, tied a I, kite to an anchor. Okay. I don't think they're in the same place no, at the not. same time. Well, as I said, I was in my 20s. Sure, sure. Um, and uh, this person and I were living together, and they went home for a prolonged visit mm-hmm. and got an anchor and a kite tattooed on their body. Oh, boy. As a surprise. Oh, boy. And I was moving out of our apartment. Oh, oh my boy. God. As a surprise. As a surprise. Everybody had a, had a wild <laughs> idea. Of Everybody a had a surprise. You're dumped. I, oh, boy. It was, yeah, that's a tough that, one. That's a tough one. And that yeah. one is like... And did like you straight up, I am super sorry about that. You know, yeah. well, <laughs> you thought she you was going to come back and and you you'd break the news and she'd be like, oh yeah, well, the, the writing was on the wall. But right, turns out the writing well, the writing, writing might have been on the body. wall. That might, the tattoo might have been a reaction yeah. to the writing being on the wall, right? Well, I think that they were um, they were a little bit younger than me. I appreciate and your commitment to gender non exclusive pronouns. Well. uh... This person. Oh, that's relevant. Oh, to this, this person. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Ah, okay. All right. Yeah. Got it. Uh, this person was like a lot younger than me, mm-hmm. and not a lot, but when you're in your twenties, like a year makes a big difference. And this right. person was in their early twenties, mm-hmm. and I was in my late twenties. Uh-huh. And well, something that I later found out was that they were a trans person. Yeah. Uh-huh. I didn't know that, and until like post uh-huh. breakup. So, for, so I think that that's what was going on. Right. We were really disconnected, and yeah. we weren't like. Seeing each other. Right. And but I, that, I think you've given that person a real, like, an anchor for life. Oh I mean, my they, they God. now have, I mean, they, you know, it is it is on their body permanently. Is it? I kind of hope it's laser removed. Maybe. Going yeah, to yeah. Dr. Tatoff. I don't know. I've never, I haven't seen, the, I haven't seen their, I haven't seen their body since, so I don't yeah. know. Okay. Uh, but. Wow. But I do, but I did have that one happen. Okay. That's okay. a particularly, like. <sighs> yeah. And wow. do you do you maintain that there is an anchor and a kite in every really, or you've let go of that? Because that's kind of re- resonating with me, honestly. Yeah, no, I, I do I? think that there's something to it. Yeah, I do think that. Um, I mean, I look at it a little bit 
differently now. But you know what? Here's where I think that was coming from. Um, If you are a queer person, you're trying to figure out how to date and you were raised in a heteronormative environment, Mm -hmm. the roles, like the roles of my parents were so defined. My mom was like a feminist and interesting and funny and smart. And she also uh, raised the kids and then like had a job later. Like when I, Mm -hmm. when I was, when all of the kids were later, were older, she went and got a job again. Uh And then my dad like was gone all the time working. And I think there was a very specific, distinct way that roles work out. Mm -hmm. So if that's not the thing that you're modeling, like if there's no sex or gender that specifically means anything, uh-huh. I still think you have to try to figure out, like, how do we stay together? Yeah. What is balance? Right. So, so you're, you're like, are we buddies. anchors and kites? Like, yeah. what are we? We're not men and women. Mm-hmm. So what are we? And at the time, that really worked for me. I mean, the part of it that does ring true, whether the anchor and kite part of it does or not, is that you allow each other to switch. I think that's that is the part that I don't think I was personally living at that time uh-huh. in my life mm-hmm. as much. Like I've, you know, I've thought about that sense, and I do try to live in that in that switchingness. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's situational. Feels like, and also that is a privilege that we get to have. Like there, right. are so often when we talk about same sex couples, we don't talk about. Um, how much privilege there is in being able to figure out our own destiny and being able to make up these things like, okay, we're anchors and kites and we can switch. Like that's cool because we can do that. There's not really the same external pressure telling us that we can't. Yeah. Yeah. We are figuring all of this out as we go. You know, we are going into middle and old age as openly gay people really kind of we're a little bit on the front lines of that. I mean, have I convinced you both to get anchors and kites tattooed on your bodies? Uh, You have not. (laughs) You have not. I would think about it. I would get it it on a T-shirt. Okay. All right. I would get it on a T-shirt. My. And then I would put that T-shirt. But the T-shirt's a tattoo. Put that part of it into a T-shirt. Right. In a few years. (laughs) Part of me feels like you do have to choose one or the other if you, you know. Although, if you can be both, right? Yeah, both. I think it, it, it varies from couple to couple. Um, can you talk about meeting Rhea? Um, do you have a great and do, cute story? Yeah, what do you want to hear about? How did you meet? Yeah. Mm, we met at an open mic that oh, I wow. hosted in Chicago. That's right, at Kohl's. Yeah, we met right? at Kohl's where I yeah. sent you. Yes, you did. Yeah, Kohl's, it, C-O-L-E-S. Uh-huh. Great place. Great bar. Awesome bar. Great neighborhood. Yeah, absolutely, in Logan Square. Still so this there. Is, this is like a good open mic. This isn't like uh, the, the the sort of shitty open mic. Some so I, no, had, it's a good one. I had this dude, this buddy. You know, I was in my mid twenties, and I had this buddy who had been. He had worked at, I think, like KPMG. I can't remember one of the big five accounting firms, and made a shit ton of money, saved all of it, and like slept on a mattress on the floor and spent uh-huh. no dollars and wow. his dream was to open a bar and so he like bought a bar and opened it in his mid-20s wow. which is that thing where everybody's like I'm gonna open a bar but then he did it yeah it yeah. sounds like a sitcom premise right. where you're like this would never happen but okay he did it yeah. and it was in this uh, neighborhood where this became like an art hub and he was looking for ways to bring people in and I was like you know it'll bring people in now by the way this this shouldn't have worked again. Yeah. Guy in his 20s opening a bar shouldn't have worked. Also, me saying, you know, we'll bring people in. A comedy open mic also shouldn't have worked because that yeah. should have, in fact, 
That should have been terrible. Yeah. Put people off of yeah. the business. Right. <laughs> but Chicago's and his a, business should have failed. Yeah. yeah, but Chicago's a great place to see comedy. And especially at that time, a lot of like young mm-hmm. up and comers. Yes. Great scene. Awesome scene. People really were looking for something to rally around. And mm-hmm. so we I started this open mic and then I would host it with my friend Adam. Uh, Burke, who's still a Chicago comic, and we would get 60 people on the list. We would get a 200-person audience. I can't explain why this is real and true because that does not – that is not what an open mic is. No. Yeah. Um, and there would be a band that would open for us and play a theme song that they wrote for us. This and, is like a real show. Uh, yeah. Pizza would come over and like wings from like bi- like neighboring businesses would like bring their stuff over, uh-huh. and then they it sort of turned into an art gallery. But they would only paint pictures of Abraham Lincoln. I can't explain why this right. is my actual life. Yeah. But um, did you see Rhea perform before you met her? No, I saw Rhea sitting in a little hat. She was wearing a little hat, and she was in the audience and. I talked to her from the stage and then her buddy after that uh, was like, you know, we came tonight because she's thinking about doing stand up. And I was like, you absolutely should. And I remember seeing her, yeah. which is weird. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you remember what you talked to? What you, oh, you mean you just talked to her, meaning you just chose like her I went like, point. Yeah. I, no, I just, yeah. Like I did crowd work with her. Yeah. Um, and Do you then, remember what that, that. I think I talked about was? her tiny hat. She had a little hat on. Yeah. She had like a little like conductor's hat on uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and I talked to her about her little hat. And then she came back a couple weeks later and, and went up uh, for the first time, like signed up, went up for the first time. And I introduced her. I was the wow. person that brought her to stage. And um, she was really captivating on stage the first oh. time she ever did stand up, mm-hmm. which she is like endlessly embarrassed when I say. Yeah. But she was really good. She yeah. talked about um, – Again, I just I didn't I hadn't I hadn't like seen a butch lesbian at, and she also identifies as like non-binary and genderqueer mm-hmm. now and whatever Rhea is doing on stage is so different than anything I had experienced and yeah. I immediately was like you have to keep doing this and booked her on a show that I was running that was her first paid gig uh-huh. and, and then I took her on the road I thought she was. Like I thought she had a really big future. I invested in her as an opener. And were you were you like sitting on feelings of attraction at this point, or I didn't realize it. Yeah. Um, we would at this because I was dating somebody, she was dating somebody, and we would stand next to each other at this open mic, which was every Wednesday night. And I would just like be around her. We wouldn't even talk. Mm-hmm. Um, but then she would like notice when my drink was empty and like go get me another mm-hmm. one oh, that's a keeper right there and we would laugh at the same stuff and I think like looking back on it it was just like a very long first date mm-hmm. that we just didn't realize well, was happening oh I'm like blushing I, I, yeah, I, I'm feeling I this is, I mean I wow that. it is a very uh it's a cool one to, to look back on it's yeah. one of my favorite I mean I think it actually is it's my favorite way that a relationship has ever started because we were f- Friends first, or we were just like sharing space and mm-hmm. energy first before yeah. anything else. That's beautiful. Wow. And now you have just launched a brand new podcast. I um, have. Tell us everything about it. Yeah. So uh, it's actually, it's out like this week. Um, Very exciting. Yeah. It's called Query, and um, you can find it on like iTunes or whatever, um, mm-hmm. but in the arts and society and culture, arts and culture. I don't know. It's not in the comedy just section. Look for Query. Query. One or two. Two E's, because it's a pun. Q U E E R Y. And what it is, is it's 
hour-long conversations about identity, specifically with LGBT folks. And Mm -hmm. I was telling you both a little bit about it before we started. And what I, you know, I am, well, first of all, I love queer shit. I like love Mm -hmm. queer entertainment. I love queer media. I love weird fan videos that are on YouTube uh, where they take every other part of a TV show out, but only show you the parts where lesbian couples are. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm into it. I'm into all of it. It's, um my favorite thing. And what I have found over time is that so many, so often, you know, these like Terry Gross, for some, for instance, Mm -hmm. such a great interviewer, but somebody outside of the LGBT community, Mm -hmm. when she has a guest on, it's a queer person. Uh I find that a lot of their time is spent trying to explain to what is presumed to be a, sa- a straight cis audience, yeah. what like entry level terms are, sure. you know, yeah. and answering questions about definitions and when did you know, and did you sleep with this person and things that I don't talk about with my friends. Yeah. And we didn't really talk about them here. Mm-hmm. Well, because you know? when you can skip over those things, you can get so much deeper. And that's yeah. why she is an amazing interviewer is that when she's, dating a, you know, a fellow cis straight person, they can really go deep. Right. So exactly. And I'm not actually, it's not, you know, Terry, this person is so good at their job, but it's everybody. She's an enemy of the show. We're taking it. It's, it's, um, what I've found is that there isn't really an opportunity for in group conversation the same way that like on Pete Holmes's podcast, You Made It Weird, or on Mark Maron's podcast, WTF, like those are two comics and they're talking about comedy from a place of understanding and they're mm-hmm. listing names and experiences and places. Yeah. And they don't explain to each other what that is. The audience then is trusted to do the work or make the mental leaps yeah, to figure out what up. they're talking about. Right. And I really think in order to get to the next place, we need to approach media that way, um, that the LGBT community needs to talk to each other, which is why this is such a great show and why this has been so fun today. I, I, I think your, your show sounds like, uh, I said this before, the thinking person's version of this show. Yeah. <laughs> like this, but better. No. <laughs> I like that idea. I think I think it's... I think that we are, we haven't never had, we haven't had a voice for so long and we missed so much of our history. Mm -hmm. So much of our history went away. Those, so many people have died that took their stories with them and we weren't in books and we weren't on television. Uh And so we don't have it to look back on. This is what we're doing right now. This like taking a Ghostbusters device and putting all of the queerness in there. Yep. Yep. It's really important. And you're at the forefront of that. I mean, you're, you're, you're a hero and, um, I'm, I can't, bl- I mean, this was a dream come true. Thank wow, you. Well, I'm you like essentially going to burst into tears. Oh, come on. We can, let's save that for off mic. Oh, can I just it. say one other thing yes, before we go? Uh, Rhea and I are going to go on a, a bus tour this fall. Oh. We're doing stand up in 20 cities, sleeping on a bus. And Whoa. so you can go to my website, CameronEsposito.com or her website, RhiaButcher.com and get tickets to that. Coming to a city near you with, uh, spray painted, uh, portraits of Abraham Lincoln, maybe. <laughs> Hope so. Cameron, you should you bring so them. Much. Yeah, Cameron. Thank, thank you. you guys. This is really exciting. I'm in love with this. You're Yay! The best. Thank you. Folks, we are here not only to talk to great LGBT people, 
but to answer your questions. Also great LGBT people yeah. uh, who and are the, out there in the internet. Listen, we all have questions. We all need guidance mm-hmm. from time to time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're an anchor. Sometimes we're a kite. Sometimes the, the winds are, are, are choppy and unpredictable, and we need a little guidance. And you are sometimes a, a professional advice giver. I have for, been for from time to time. I don't know that anyone has ever actually taken my advice. Uh, I haven't really heard back from anybody. I guess that means it didn't go well, <laughs> and maybe they asked somebody else. So here's the deal. If you have, if you have questions about mm-hmm. life, about, uh, about relationship relationships, stuff. Uh, about about coming out, about family stuff, about career stuff, about uh, just about anything. Yeah. Hit us up. We have a Twitter account. It is homophilia pod at, at homophilia pod uh, on Twitter. I can't believe we have a Twitter account. It's so exciting. So uh, do we have any followers us. yet? Probably not. No. This is our first I'm not even oh, following us. Yeah. But. We just found out about us. But guess what? We do have a question. Oh, great. Yeah. What is it? Yep. Because Dana here solicited some questions online, so now we have some. Okay. At T.L. Holiday. Yeah, I'm calling you out, T.L. Holiday. What role should find my friends and similar location-sharing apps play in a long-term relationship? Uh, intimate or creepy? Uh, let's go. On three. One, two, three. Creepy. creepy. But I will say that <laughs> the- even as I say that, I am thinking I want to have that for my boyfriend. Why? Well, uh, I'd like to keep tabs on him. No, I I, I actually— What else would be the reason? The only thing now that makes uh, me—my knee-jerk reaction was, of course, creepy. But then I started to think, if there's an emergency, how—if one of us was an accident, how would anybody know to call me? If It's not like his—in his wallet, he has my—I mean, maybe he does, but— That'd be a great way for me to find him. Okay. So that's just more like a, a, mer- like a medic alert. alert bracelet than a find my friends thing, right? Uh, yeah. You, I, yeah, so maybe I, I should get him a medical alert bracelet. Yeah, I think maybe, yeah, or, or just like in case of emergency call so-and-so. But the reason it's creepy, of course, is you don't want to be spying yeah. on your loved ones. Yeah. Uh, and I think if you have the urge to spy on a loved one, then there's mm-hmm. you have some suspicions that run deep and mm-hmm. things are not as good as you think yeah. they are. You Which, might you might be more obsessed than yeah. in a relationship. I, I, I have no suspicions. I'm just an obsessive, controlling monster. Uh huh. Yeah, I do. I do find that like if I'm you know if if I'm getting dinner ready, it's like all right, how close are you? Yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Well, but I can also just text, how close are you? Sure. Right. But will Ben ever maybe not lie, but fudge a little bit on that? Uh, what do you mean? Like, uh, what are you suggesting? I'm, I'm suggesting I, from my own relationship that Michael sometimes I will be preparing dinner uh, uh-huh. and that I will get a leaving now text and that I'll do the math and that then that amount of time will go by and I know uh-huh. where he's leaving. I know where he's coming. And that was leaving now meant I'm going to slowly, my yeah. uh, you know, do, do another round on Twitter. Sure. And so, yeah, that's another event we're finding my friends. Just in this conversation, I've gone all the way over to necessary. Okay. From creepy to necessary. Well, I mean, uh, it can be creepy and necessary. Yeah, I think it's, it's creepy both. and unnecessary. All right. I think we lived just fine without it 10 years ago. Once again, these differences are what make this show what magic. what makes this show pop, Matt. Oh, it really God. does. Well, that is it for episode one, my friends. Ooh, what a hit. I think we have a hit on our hands, Matt McConkie. Oh, my God. What a ride. What a joy to sit across from you. So, guys, if you liked what you heard, and we know you did, please. Yeah, I mean, you, you made it this far. Like us, subscribe, uh, give us a good rating, give us a good review. Tell, tell friend. your friends. Tell Go, a lot of friends. Find us on iTunes or, or Apple. I don't know any of the terms. Podcatcher. Yeah, Apple Podcasts. Uh, whatever podcatcher you use. Yeah. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Please. At Homophilia Pod. Yeah. Uh, thank you to everybody at Earwolf. 
Yes, Chris Mann and Colin Anderson, Dana Wickens, Wickens. the entire crew here. Thank you for for everything. Uh, Thanks to Ben Wise for the theme music. Um, I have to thank Deanna Chang, Casey Wilson, and Danielle Schneider for getting me into podcast land. And I have to thank you, Dave Holmes. Hey, Matt, thank you. Uh, But really, more than anything, last but not least, thank you, Caddis Lewin. That's right. Lou, this one's for you. Jess McKenna. And I'm Zach Reno. And we're the host of a new podcast right here at Earwolf called Off, Off Book, Book, the improvised musical, musical podcast. Podcast. It's a podcast, but it's also an improvised musical where we get a guest and we talk to them and then Scott Passarell starts playing and then we black out for a second when we come to, we've created a brand new musical. Yeah. People are saying it's better than the Beatles. You can say that too. If you listen uh, to our first episode with Paul F. Tompkins or our second episode with Mary Holland, we got some great guests lined up. So guys, rate, review, and you got to subscribe on that Apple podcast, baby. Or wherever you listen to your podcast. We'd like it so much. Just so much. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season 3 has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, Season 3 is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I mean, Jazos. <laughs> Ruler of the Eighth Circle. And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.